it is so good to see your smiling faces here. If you are new here, uh, my name is Dave Overholder, lead pastor, and I hope you can sit back and relax and enjoy. I see so many new faces, and uh, I'm not sure if this is uh, your visiting family, but I hope you can consider this uh, a place your home. Let me tell you a little bit about how this service is going to be quite different than uh, services we usually have. Uh, instead of myself giving a message or another person giving a full message, we call this Testimony Sunday, Testimony Sunday. And the idea is, is that there's a lot of people who have experienced some really cool things in God over this last year. And a lot of years ago, when we only had a handful of people, we found out this was often the highlight of the year, hearing uh, some people's stories. So uh, we're going to focus on that today. But I'm going to pray and give us a little bit of an introduction ourselves to uh, our people's stories. After that, we have a time of four worship songs where you can come and reflect on what you've heard in, uh, in worship. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. For your goodness, even in the midst of pain and stretching and all the things that 2023 has, uh, has meant to each one of us here. God, you have been beside us in each of these ways. And so, God, we depend on you to be with us this coming year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's, uh, I, I, I'm kind of one of these people that think, you know, it's only a date on the calendar. Somebody made up the calendar. Does it really matter, you know, the whole New Year's thing? I'm not sure if it's the radio or, you know, hearing all the TV spots and all that kind of stuff. But I'm, I'm seeing, you know, oh, yeah, I'm, we're going to turn the page. We're going to turn the page with new numbers on the calendar. But it also forces me to go and stop and look back, doesn't it? Like, if we didn't have that calendar change, when would we actually stop in our, our years and say, oh, you know what, i got to look back to see what God has done. And, and I can't help, but every time we look back to see what God's done, doesn't it sort of make you say, well, what are you going to do this next year, this next year? So uh, I'm going to just reflect for a, a moment of church life. Now, again, if you're new to Church on the Rock, you won't know sort of some of our stories. We grew out of a youth group of six Baptist churches, and uh, we have been uh, trucking along for a lot of years. We have this wonderful property up on Upper James we're going to move to soon, and I am, I'm, I'm excited to see life change here every single week. But when 2023 started, we had this thing here at Church on the Rock called staff needs. In other words, there are some people that uh, we pay for to be able to set aside their time so they can work feverishly to make sure everything happens. And there's only a, whole, a small handful of us. But the, when we started the year, there were two positions really missing. One was our children's position, that we just didn't have someone. We had Nancy Youngling, who, uh, who had been with us. Well, how long, Nancy? Was it a dozen years, 15 years? It was a long time. It was great. Yeah, let's give it up for Nancy. We will always love what you've done here, Nancy. Oh, my. She's left her fingerprint on so many of her lives. But she retires. She oh, retired early at 35. And then, uh, <laughs> that one's for you, Nancy. Um, and then we said, okay, well, we need to actually uh, fill her place. And so a lot of that falls to me. So it's something, uh, you know, we, we 
sort of put the net out there. And so many very young people were applying who just did really, wow, this would be all new to them. They wouldn't really know what to do. We had a wonderful volunteer helping us in the meantime. And every time I'd bring a very young uh, candidate and, and, and introduce uh, them to uh, our, our volunteer, uh, uh, our volunteer Sarah said, oh, my goodness, they are so young, and I'm not sure if they know anything about how to do this. So it took about six months. At the beginning of the year, I was still sort of scratching my head. What are we going to do? Because children's ministry is key and important here at Church on the Rock. And so finally, Sarah said, well, maybe I would apply. And that, I can I just say, that was at the beginning of the year going, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this. And she's not only applied, stepped in to be our children's pastor but has done a wonderful, fantastic job just bringing in all our volunteers. I, I think one time she said we have 40-plus people working in children's ministry. Isn't that wild? To make children's... Yeah, let's thank you for everybody that does that. And then there's an unknown staff position. That's, uh, that's only a part-time position. But if you, we didn't have it, you would know it. Because they get here and uh, make all the team that happens to put the lights and the projector and the broadcasting and the sound that goes here and the sound that goes out there. They make sure this happens. They take the stage from, from the top and put it down. They put out the chairs, put out the prayer corner. Put, they, they make it all happen. And if we didn't have that person coordinating all that, we would all be sitting on the ground with our blankies and an acoustic guitar, all right? Some people might like that. But the idea is if they are the first in, last out. In fact, there's, there's a, a, an online group called Philo. And these are people that work at church that are first in, last out. Philo. And uh, so we were asking around <laughs> trying to find somebody to do this. And it's not an easy thing to get here at 6 o'clock in the morning and then to stay till 2 o'clock in the afternoon to pack up everything. And uh, as we're asking around, uh, there's a church we're connected with called Connexus up in Barrie. They said, hey, we had somebody doing our internship tech program. And they actually live in the area in Grimsby. He's going to Mohawk. You should check him out. And so I asked Josh whether he'd be interested, and he's become our service director. And because of him, this thing works. Can we say thank you to Josh? <laughs> All I can say is, at the beginning of the year, my year was, oh, what am I going to do? Have, have you ever had, like, moments like that in your life? What am I? This is, seems impossible, but now if I look back, it's no God provides. And part of me goes, why, Dave, were you so worked up about this? You knew that God was going to do this. You're just sort of on the way for a long time to make sure he does that. And so I so thank you, God. Something else happened this, this year, which is like really cool. Really cool. There's, we've, we've had a, uh, a missions partnership with the Dominican Republic uh, for a lot of years. For years and years and years, what we've done is uh, we have provided money to run their school. We have paid their teachers uh, for, I believe, at least 15 years. And, uh, and so they had a school in the most impoverished area of the Dominican, and we provided free school for the, the kids in the area. We not only that, we gave food to uh, an orphanage in the area. And uh, often we would send missions trips down, and we built all kinds of things around that school. I built a play yard. Uh, that's probably in shambles right now. 
Anyway, uh, we'd done that, and then COVID happened. Of course, we couldn't travel down. There's a lot of restrictions. And when the dust settled from COVID, we got a hold of them and said, okay, how can we help you? And this is what they said. You know what? Because of all the emergency funds, our government has stepped in to help us out with the whole orphanage thing. So we really don't need you. In fact, you know, you know, they, they built a school in the area. We don't need the school anymore, so it's a daycare center. And you know that water purification thing that you built so we could sell water so we can provide for ourselves? That's actually providing for ourselves. And we don't need your help anymore. Like, when does that happen? Like... <laughs> Yeah, so thank you. Thank you, Church on the Rock. So that all happened, and so now, now I go, oh, we should do missions things. <laughs> and so now this next year, 2024, this fun time to dream, to say what mission partnerships here in town and around the world we're already looking at uh, possible p connections with more than one place. And it is just exciting to be here at that page turning. Uh, last year, last year, we were talking about, um, about having an anchor mission to reach and transform. Reach and transform is our mission. Could we have an anchor mission? Uh, what an anchor mission is, can the, our local church do something outside our walls that helps our community? Like, can we do something outside our wall to help the community? And uh, years uh, earlier, we did a needs assessment of this area of the Hamilton Mountain. Number one, number one needs assessment was to do something with child care, just something with child care. They had lots of other needs being met, lots of organizations doing lots of things, but they just need to have something to be able to take care of kids. Well, interesting, I grew up, in fact, God grabbed my heart when I was 16 years old at a camp. At camp, I thought I was going to go there to be a lifeguard, you know, this way to the beach kind of thing, and I thought all the... Girls would swoon, but I, that never worked. It was a boys' camp. Anyway, I, I got there, and I found out that prayers were answered, and people came to faith in Christ, and I found out that my life was transformed significantly at camp. And that's what I've, I've noticed again and again and again, that young Christian leaders are formed at Christian camps. There's something about coming away, leaving devices behind, and, and just focusing on responsibilities. It's like you're a 16-year-old. Here's some 8-year-olds. Take care of them. Oh, I want to sleep in this morning. <laughs> Sorry. Good luck with that one. You take care of them. And there's something about building responsibility. There's something about praying for these kids. And I saw miracle after miracle after miracle, and it transformed my life. And so I've always had a dream. What would it be like if we could run a Christian day camp? Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, in God's awesomeness, he gave us seven acres on Upper James. And uh, as we were uh, looking at the seven acres, we said we needed more parking. And so we asked our, our neighbors next to us, could we ever sever off some of their land? They said, sure, whenever you're, we're ready to sell, you're the first people we'll talk to. Great. So then they talked to us. And they said, listen, we don't want to cut off a little bit. There, you can only buy 90 acres. A third of it in forest. Do you want it or not? Well, we prayed and, and thought, well, God's not making new land. That's sort of off his, his agenda for now. And so we said, well, let's go for it. Let's talk to them and, and perhaps, perhaps God might, might give that to us. And, and so we, we negotiated with them and 
all the stuff with tax receipts. And it came, they came up with a number, and still far too big for us to even think about. We had no money saved up for it. And so right the week, the week that we had to say something or else they're going to put it on the market and sell it to someone else, a wonderful friend said, listen, I think I could help in some way. She saw, she caught the vision of what could happen. And we purchased 90 acres on Upper James. We have 97 acres on the busiest thoroughfare in Hamilton. They're building a six-lane highway out there with LRT from downtown. And, and a third of it's in forest. And so now I say, hold on, hold on. You mean we could run almost like a Muskoka Woods kind of, kind of feel? Okay, we don't have the water. We could build a pond. Anyway, could we be out in the woods at a fraction, in fact, maybe at no cost, here for kids who might never go and light a campfire in the middle of the woods. They never go out and play, you know, catch the flag in the, in the middle of the woods. They, they might never have those opportunities, but we could provide this and tell them about Jesus at the same time and give parents, hey, have a week with your kids. We'll take care of them. Have two weeks. Have three weeks. And wouldn't that be awesome? And so that dream started to percolate, and, and the previous year, we went from one week to two weeks of camp. This year, we made the gulp. Could we go to four weeks? We all said, that's going to be exhausting, but we did. And this year, we went to four weeks of camp, and it was utterly amazing. There, it was just amazing to see each of these weeks filled with kids that are having the time of their lives. And it gave me a picture of what this could be. I said, okay, what's stopping us at, at having about 50 kids per week? It's because we don't have a central meeting place. Then I step into our building. We do have a building on this property. It's awesome. It really is. We're still working with the city on, on getting our site plan to finish it off. But when I walked in, all of a sudden I realized, you know what that, that building is? It's not just a Sunday morning building. That's a, cent, that's a celebration center for kids camp. That is a celebration camp where we can have hundreds of kids in there every week. And then reach out to people who might never know. And so this week, this year, we made Camp Wild Rock. Came up with a logo. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun. We came up with t-shirts. And we, we moved this to four weeks of camp. Um, how, we asked the question, how could we get them off their tablets and into the wild? Let me, uh, let me just read one verse that really speaks to me on this one. It's Luke 18. You figured I'd say this, but as I reread it, man, it's just good. Luke 18, 15 to 17 says, One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. That's it. You go, wow, is that really a thing? Bless you, bless you, bless you. You know, you know is that, do you get blessed? But yeah, hey, this is Jesus, right? Okay, so that, that would be good. I'd, I'd be up for a blessing from Jesus, right? And so I'm sure the disciples were saying the same things. And from what I hear of the culture of the time, children were not honored. Children were not highly thought of because they hadn't done anything right. You sort of, they're sort of like half-baked pies in the oven. You don't know how they're going to turn out, right? In fact, said the Roman emperors did not actually adopt children until they were adults because at least you could tell them they, they turned out okay. And so the idea of children, they, they're not bringing anything to the table. There, there's not a lot that they, they're... That, that's a good thing. And so, of course, when the parents came to, see, could you bless my kids? The parents had some actually thought about these kids. Man, we want these kids to be blessed in some way. 
which is a good thing. And so what happens when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering them. <laughs> and then Jesus called the children and said to the disciples, the scolding turned around, <laughs> let the children come to me. Let them come. Come on. Open the doors. Let these children come to me. Don't stop them. How come? For the kingdom belongs to those who are like these children. He's using them as a metaphor now. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Some people think that that's that openness of faith. I'm sure that's it. But that's also in the culture of the day. They're bringing nothing to the table. As we come to Christ with the openness of a faith of a child, bringing nothing to the table, no accomplishments, we enter the kingdom of God. And so... We've seen 33 kids say yes to Jesus this last summer. Yeah, it's a good thing. I believe we'll change the spiritual landscape of Hamilton through our camp, Wild Rock, which is crazy. And I'm still praying that the site plan from the city will happen. All I can say is, it looks like we're close. All right? That's all I'm going to say. This is just getting closer. But... I don't want to anymore. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. But we're getting closer to getting this site plan that we can go and open up our, our morning building for our morning service and our celebration central from the camp. When I look back on this year, I go, I start off the year going, oh, what am I going to do? And God provided. I start off the year going, wow, we have all kinds of opportunities in front of us. Where are we going to go? And God led. And uh, start off the year is, could we actually expand our camp? Yes, we could. And in fact, he's got bigger plans than we have for ourselves. It's funny how a year makes a difference, doesn't it? You can turn the page. And so as we go forward, we're going to listen to three stories now. Three unique stories. One is going to be healing from healing. All right? Healing's coming out of healing. Listen to this and be open to this. This is real. Okay? This is real. Krista Biller is going to be talking to us about that. Next, right after her, she's going to hand the mic off uh, to Luke Bazusko. And he's going to be telling us about how a message of shaping shaped his life and how we come to services listening. And then after Luke, he's going to uh, hand off the mic to, to Jacob. And Jacob's going to talk about how actually reaching out to a friend is something that God is actively involved in. I'll come back and close this off. But as I, uh, as, as I uh, say one more, more scripture before a testimony, uh, Psalm 34, 1 to 3. It's got to be one of my favorite psalms. I will bless the Lord at all times, everywhere I go. I'm just going to keep on blessing the Lord. Isn't that wild? We ask God, can you bless me, bless me. What does that mean? You know, make me happy, make me prosperous, I don't know, give me joy. Blessed are, joyful are. We bless the Lord. How? Can we? It's there. I will bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to get, be his joy. His joy. I'll bless the Lord at all times. How are you going to do that? His praise will continually be in my mouth. It's not just not during worship services. I'm just going to tell him, you know what God's done? You know what God has done. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times because his praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. You know what he did? Oh, my goodness. And, and just unashamedly talking about the goodness of God. You know what he did? You know what? Some are going to scoff at you. 
deal, 100%. Some are going to scoff at you and go, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know what Scripture says? But the humble will hear. They'll go, yeah, thank you. And then he ends up this section of the psalm, oh, magnify the Lord with me. For some people, God seems so far away. I'm going to be a telescope. He's massively huge. But he seems so far away. I'm going to be his telescope. I'm going to bring him closer. and Just magnify the Lord with me. Why? So as a group, we can exalt his name together. Isn't that a great song? All right. So take it away, Krista. You're first up. Let's give it up for Krista. Woo! Okay, it's on. Sorry, I thought I would just deke you out there for a second. No, I'm not going to chicken out. Um, this all started actually last night whenever I uh, sent a meme to Helen about becoming a donkey whisperer. Um, and uh, she says, Dave's going to message you. And I'm, okay, yeah, no problem. So Helen and I continue chatting. And then Dave sent me a message and asked me if I would come up and talk to you um, about something that happened to me this year, and um, it, it basically, when it, if you were reading the the screen before Dave's message about how you know deliverance and leaving your pain behind and burying your regrets, and that's that's the story. And um, it started when I was six years old, a little wee girl who decided to follow Jesus. And um, I have to say that God's been with me every step of the way, holding my hand, covering me from danger, um, never, never leaving me, chasing after me when I made bad decisions and mistakes, knocking me over the head and grabbing me with a shepherd's hook and pulling me out of the, of the hole in the ground multiple times when I wasn't following him, but he never gives up, never gave up. The problem was is me. I decided to not forget those times I fell in the hole, not forget those times when I turned away and um, wasn't following him. And over time, I was packing this huge suitcase of regret, of hurt, of anger. And I was carrying that. I was lugging it around on my back. And just last January, my dad died. And I always felt my dad was my protector in my life, right from the time I was a little girl. And losing him was a huge shock. But it was also part of the catalyst that I was preparing to come to God and give him that suitcase. Because a couple of years before he passed away, I was ready to give that suitcase away. And I was going to go to the Encounter God, which is an inner healing workshop that the church used to offer. But I always chickened out. I was too afraid. I thought it would break up and really start to cry. And yeah, I really would. That's a big thing to give away. Um, but we weren't offering it anymore. So I was at a women's uh, meeting, and Sonia was there. Thank you, Sonia. I love you. Um, and I had shared something about you know, seeing someone from my past, uh, someone who I really felt really hurt me, really wronged me, being able to see them now in a new light because I finally understand that forgiveness is a one-way street. 
that you have to offer forgiveness to someone and with the nothing expected in return. It's a gift that I give to you. And um, I had shared that. And Sonia, she explains it as having gotten a tap saying that, hey, Krista needs you. And Sonia came up and offered and said, hey, you know what, I, I've, I've got some experience and I would, if, you're, if you feel up to it, I'm, I can walk you through some inner healing to get rid of this baggage you're carrying. And she used the exact words that I've been thinking about for multiple years. Inner healing and getting rid of this baggage. And um, I said, yeah. So we went to the prayer room at the church and um, just sat down there and started working through it. Started setting it all out and praying it away, and in God's power, separating it from my soul, emptying that bag and tossing it in a hole and burying it with Christ and letting it be gone forever. I, after that time, I thought it would, I, I told Gary I'd be home at 1 o'clock. I think it was after 2. So whatever time that happened in that room, it stood still, and we just worked through. And... Um, at the end, Sonia says, how do you feel? And I said, I just feel, I feel so light, so free. But I got up out of the chair, and for the first time in however long I don't even know, my back didn't hurt. My back has been so sore for so long. And this entire, like, since when did we do that, Sonia? Was it in the summer? It was in the fall? It wasn't that long ago. Um, it's been months now. My pain, the pain in my back is gone. I am not carrying that suitcase anymore. So all praise to God for being a God that loves and cares about us so much that he even takes all those little things. If you're willing to give them to, you, to him, he takes them to the end of forever, beyond where we can even imagine, and gives us true joy and peace in our lives. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Luke. I've got a, uh, a story to share with you as well. Um, when I, I think over the year, there's a ton of highlights for me. Uh, my family and I, we've been coming to the church for maybe a year and a half. So it actually feels like, man, every other week, this was su such a great service. This was wonderful for us. Um, but I wanted to share about uh, a message that really impacted me, and I gave it a try. I, like, took Dave's advice. So... Um, I think this was in February, we had the Shaping Me series, and Dave gave a challenge in that to take Psalm 139, 24, no, 23 to 24 seriously, like take it up and, and pray this to the Lord. So let me just read this to you, and I want to share how it, it impacted my life this year. This is what the psalm reads, search me, God, know my heart, and test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's an offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Um, Dave described it like this, like, Holy Spirit, what would you have me think? What would you have me do? Shine a light on my actual thoughts about myself, about my friends, my coworkers, and my actions, and then lead me in your way. Uh, lead me in the way of everlasting. Well, I tried this. One morning before opening up the scriptures, 
I, I prayed this prayer and I kind of finished it with like, Lord, what would you have me think? I happened to be going through Matthew and was reading Matthew 15. And there's a section there where Jesus says like, hey, it's, it's the things that come out of your, the things that come out of your mouth come from your heart and that is what actually defiles a person, not what you're putting into your system. And through that, God uh, revealed a conversation I had had with a coworker that was not in the way of everlasting. The short story was this. I, I sell forklifts, and I was working with a, uh, a coworker who sells warehouse racking. And he had made a mistake, and he had already presented it to the client. And this was going to affect what I had already sold. This was going to make me look bad. And... Uh, I had a conversation with him about it, kind of calling him out on either it was a lack of knowledge on his part or just him being completely passive with the, uh, with the client. Now, basically, what the Lord revealed to me was this, for like, what should I think? Through praying this prayer, the Lord revealed to me that I didn't really have pure motives when I was talking to this guy. I didn't say anything hurtful. I didn't say anything untrue. But that didn't matter. I didn't have pure motives, or it wasn't in the way of everlasting. And uh, I was buying into some of the lies that can be involved in shaping us as well. And I remember Dave describing it as the lies from the evil one, our own flesh, or just sinful society. And this was the lie that was leading me in that conversation. For me to show high value at my company, I have to have higher value than other people. So maybe a bit of what I was doing was trying to knock him down a peg to make myself look better. That's what the Lord revealed to me for what should I think. What should I do? I wasn't as pumped about. It was just, you know what? You're going to have to apologize to this guy. This is a younger sales rep, blah, blah, blah. Man, I was going to be humbled. So I called him up right after finishing uh, my time in the Word. And I apologized for the, the conversation we had. And this was the unique thing. His reaction was, apologize for what? He didn't pick up on any issue. There wasn't really a problem. But that didn't matter. The exciting thing for me was, God is working in my life. He's using my church, and he's using his words to shape me. And it really motivated me. This was a God tap for me, where there was a a glimmer of this interaction with God actually speaking to me through his word and changing me. Uh, I wanted to finish this talk with saying, man, I dare you. I dare you to pray it because I don't normally like being told what I've done wrong. But here this was exciting. It was, it was, it was a fun experience to go through it. So I'm going to continue to do this through 2024. And if you're looking for a New Year's resolution, I would encourage you to do the same. Thanks. Good morning, friends. Um, yeah, when Dave asked me to share a God story, a little testimony for this morning, um, I knew exactly what I wanted to share uh, because I've had a prayer that I've been praying for a long time um, that God, I've started to see some blossoms in that garden. Um, I went to a secular high school and college. Um, Many of my friends uh, do not know Jesus, 
and have never known Jesus. But God has started to answer um, a prayer for them. Um, I love Jesus. I've seen my life changed in so many ways. I used to really struggle personally with my sense of self-worth, whether or not I was lovable. But when I opened my heart to Jesus, he changed my life by eradicating the lies that I was believing about myself and about the world, what was worth pursuing and what was worth worshiping. And so I'm seeing all of these friends of mine that I love dearly um, living in, I'll take my hat off here, um, living in and suffering in what is a living death um, that I know well, and I'm sure, I hope, well, I hope none of you know it, but I, I think we all know well. Um, and I was in this unique position where I was the only person that I was aware of in any of their lives that knew God, and I was the only representative, ambassador of God to them. And that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure I took on, and I let weigh me down so much that um, it stopped movement for me. It was so heavy for me that I wasn't even taking steps in that direction to do anything about it anymore. Um, these friends that I have relationship with, uh, that there should be an easy candor for me to share the things that I love about God in my life with them, um, never actually veered into that topic for like years because I was so afraid that me talking about God would be alienating. I mean, I know so many stories of people that have been harmed or hurt um, and have felt ostracized by church or God or Christianity. So many concepts that I know are twisted in popular culture um, about who God is and what God wants for people in their life. And, um, and so I felt this like worry that like I would say the wrong thing. I was aware of so many um, sometimes very strong anti-Christian arguments against God um, and uh, a conception that uh, believing in God was, was really kind of foolish or delusional. And I wasn't really confident in my ability to represent what I believed well. And so my relationship with them spiritually floundered for honestly years. Um, I was the Jesus guy. They knew that about me, um, but that I, I, I was hesitant to take the steps to challenge them on what they believe, to bring what I knew to be true forward with them with grace and care and compassion, to ask them questions about, like, well, like, where are you going to go when you die? What is really worth it in the world? What makes something right and wrong? And why, how can you know that? And why do you believe that? Um, I, I think that there are answers to those questions, and I think that uh, they come up every morning on Sundays here at this church and when we open our Bible. But um, several years ago, I saw a 
uh, seminar from someone named Bob Goff, um, and I read his book. Um, and there's one line that took this immense pressure off of my shoulders and off of my heart. Uh, and he said in his book that you don't bring people to Jesus. I don't bring people to Jesus. Jesus brings people to Jesus. And it's true that there are steps that I could have and should have been taking to be proactive and engaging these people that I love desperately to know the love that I want for them. Um, and, and it's true, maybe I mean, those steps like, can and do help, and we do have a responsibility in the commission, but their salvation is not my responsibility. And ultimately, God loves them more than I do. And so I changed my prayer instead from, God, what do I need to do to, like, to save these people? To taking a step back and saying, God, as much as it hurts me to see these people that I love not knowing you, I know it hurts you more. And I know that you want that for them desperately more than I do. God, I know that there are things that I can do in my power that can aid in this, but how foolish is it for me to think that I have any power in comparison to what God has? And so my prayer shifted to one of submission. And I think that God loves a prayer of submission. And so my prayer has been, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to be myself and I'm going to trust that you are working in their lives. God, please be working in their lives. Make, uh, open up doubts into what they do believe. Create opportunities for trust and invitation. And so that's what I started doing. Um, it, it, that weight off my shoulders made it much more comfortable for me to say, hey, I would love for you to come to my church on Sunday. Um, would you be able to do that? Um, and last summer, one of my friends came. He did not come for church, but he came for baseball afterwards. And he got to witness Christian community for the first time. And he saw people that were very joyful and that loved each other. And that was really cool. I don't think there's a lot of places you see intergenerational and intergender community um, that is just like, that just love each other in a, in a comfortable way in the secular world. Um, and so that was really sweet. Um, that was a small step that I got to see taken. Um, but I haven't really seen a lot of invitation accepted um, until uh, a couple months ago. And, and this is where God answers prayers in an unexpected way, um, where you, at least I wouldn't have anticipated. I was playing video games online. I have the, the main group of friends from high school and another group of friends from college. These are the people I associated with more heavily during those times. Um, but then I was playing video games, and I got a message randomly from a friend I haven't spoken to or really thought of in like nine years. And he wasn't even one of the main people I was even praying for. But I'll admit, I was praying, God, one of the guys from my high school that I love, bring them, um, bring them to your throne, God. Um, and so my buddy Jackson reached out to me out of the blue, when I was playing video games, he said, hey, Jacob, uh, I would really love to go to a church. Um, do you know how I can go to a church? 
And I said, I do know how you can go to the church. I have a church you can go to. This was Saturday. I said, what are you doing tomorrow morning? Can I pick you up? Can I take you? Uh, he said, sure. Um, and, uh, and so I was excited. I, I got in my car. I drove over. I was running a little bit late, as is my, <laughs> my MO. Um, and I got to his door, and I knocked, and I knocked, and I called him, and I knocked for 20 minutes. He was asleep. His mom answered the door and got him, and then we got to church, and I was already a little bit late to pick him up, and then that set us later, and then we got to church for the last three minutes of the service. We walked right in. We sat down, and it was just in time at the end of the message for um, the altar call that Dave always does, saying, hey, if you um, want to invite Jesus into your heart, if you haven't done that before, now's the time. He did not, um, that I'm aware of, uh, respond to that. But uh, that's when the worship started. Um, and I was on prayer that week. So I went to the back for prayer. I let him know. And so I brought my friend to this church. This has been an answer to prayer that I've been praying for years. It finally comes in, out of the blue, unexpected. And I bring him to church and I just leave him. I don't get to, there's, there's no message he gets to hear um, from the Bible or from the word. Um, I don't even get to sit beside him and stand beside him in worship. Um, so I'm just sticking him there alone. And, um, and I'm going to prayer. Uh, and most of the worship songs go through. And he comes back at the last one. Uh, and he's walking over to me. Uh, but before he gets to me, um, he's intercepted by Shana. Um, and, or no, maybe it wasn't Shana. Sorry, actually, now I'm misremembering. I'm so, I associate Shana with prayer. I think she was on that week, but it might not have been her. Um, and, uh, and someone prays for him. Yeah, I don't think it was Shana. Sorry, Shana. It was Julie. It was Julie Banani. Um, and, uh, and she intercepts him. And she prays over him for, like, a couple minutes. Like, not a short amount of time. And then I can see he, like, feels light. Um, and he walks over uh, and sits beside me. And there's little tear streaks going down his cheeks. And he's got a little concentrated face in his brows. And he goes, Jacob, how did she know exactly what to pray for? I said, well, she listens to God, and, and God told her. And he nods. That made sense to him. Um, and then Dave shared about the uh, next upcoming series, and he had been telling me about some of the um, relationship difficulties that he was having with another friend. Uh, and this was a series on um, overcoming hardship. And I said, well, um, this seems like something your friend, we should invite your other friend uh, to this series. And he's like, yeah, that'd be a really good idea. I said, that's great. Um, we didn't end up going uh, together for the following weeks. Um, but um, I reached out to him last week. He is interested in coming back again. Um, and I know that God is planting. I mean, I, seeds have been planted there long ago. I, I believe that. Um, and I know that I'm not responsible for bringing Jackson um, to heaven. I'm responsible for loving him, 
for being his friend, for trusting God in the steps that God is taking, um, and, just, and just taking easy, um, simple invitations. I'm going to send him a text that says, hey, I'd love for you to come to church next week. He has his own car. I don't even have to pick him up this time. I will probably call him beforehand to make sure he's awake. Um, but maybe I should pick him up just to make sure. Anyways, um, yeah, that's my answer to prayer. That's my God story. Um, this is a prayer I've been praying for so many years, for so many of my friends, and for the person. Uh, God came out of nowhere in a way I didn't expect for a person I didn't expect. Um, and it's miraculous to see. And I'm really excited for how that's going to grow into this next year. That's it for me. Thanks. Isn't that great? I should just stop preaching more often. Let's give these people all kinds of encouragement. Man. Oh, my goodness. Krista, thank you. Thank you. Because there's people here carrying bags, and they need to let those go in Jesus. And, uh, and Luke, oh, my goodness. You're a gutsy man to humble yourself. And, and what, a, a, yeah, what a, a story for him. And I'm sure those are seeds planted in his head. And, then, and Jacob, isn't that awesome? That's just awesome. Thank you, Jacob, for uh, in, in all the lateness, in all the, the things you go, oh, no, God still uses people. He still taps us on the shoulder and say, hey, could you go and encourage and could you go and pray? That's what Christian community is about. We're here for joy. We're here for love. But we're also here for mission, that God sends people to us. And we're here to love those people to Jesus. And if you are, uh, if you're just new here, I hope you can sit back and say, hey, maybe this could be a community I could be a part of. We're going to ask our worship team to come on up. We're going to worship for four songs. And why do we put the worship at the end? It's because I don't want you to go out the door and let life happen. I want you to reflect on what was being said. And so as we worship, could you ask God, what can I praise you for for 2023? Just ask him that. I believe he'll bring things to mind. You go, oh, yeah. And so as you worship him, you'll bless the Lord as you sing. You will do that. And if you're done with that, maybe you can ask God, what would you have me do for 2024? If you want some help with that, we have a beautiful prayer corner. The prayer corner, there's people there with lanyards, and they will pray for you. If you say, I just don't know, or maybe I'm carrying bags too heavy, I can't do this on my own. Go to the prayer corner. They would love to pray for you in this. So let's have a time of worship. Let's bless the Lord at all times. Let his praise be continually in our mouths. And uh, let the humble hear it and be happy about it. All right, take it away, team. <laughs> 